He moved that because he was afraid I was going to sing. I know what he did. It's been Disciple Now weekend for our youth. Guys, it is so great to see you out there this morning. Can we let them know we're glad to see them? I, I appreciate Taylor coming back and leading this conference he had prepared before he left. And I hope you guys have had a great weekend, and I am so excited to see you out there. We appreciate many of you coming up and leading us in music. I know this is a fearful bunch to look at on a Sunday morning, but I appreciate you leading us this morning and helping us. Had a wonderful conference yesterday. Some of you were able to come and be with us. I hate everyone didn't get to hear Chuck Allen. He was fantastic, guys. I, I hope I can figure out a way to get him to come back for something. I don't know what. But he was a real blessing to us, and I'm glad that some of you were able to take advantage of that opportunity. Disciple now. What does that mean? Is it a commitment to say, Lord, I am your disciple. I am willing to follow you wherever you want to lead me. That I trust you and I've entrusted my life into your hands. That's really the goal, isn't it? To say, I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone once asked one, said, well, what if the cost is great? You realize for the early Christians that they came to a point during the Roman Empire, that they would bring them up and ask them to deny Jesus. And if they did, they'd let them live. In many cases, if they didn't, they took their life. Someone said, well, what decision do you make? Jesus taught us to be faithful, not to live. He taught us to be committed, whatever the Christ and the price may be. It is that faith and that conviction that drives us throughout our Christian life. To realize that God can be trusted and we can put our life in His hands. You're sitting in a ballpark and the little one reaches up and says, I gotta go to the bathroom. You ever been there? It is a three quarter mile hike to that destination. But you reach down your hand and those little fingers reach up and grab you, and off you go. You go down the hill, around the corner, in front of the concession stand, around the edge, and finally you find the door and you take them in. In that whole long journey, they never say, do you know where we're going? They never say, you sure you know the way? Do you know what they do? They just hold your hand and keep walking. Why? Because they trust you know way. That's really what our relationship with God is supposed to be like. A conviction that God knows the way that I have put my life, I've invested it in His hands, and that He can be trusted. There's a story found in the 14th chapter of the book of Exodus, the one upon which this is really based. God has showed Egypt and all of these plagues that he is the real God. The last one was the most devastating when the firstborn of Egypt were taken when they died. And those who had placed the blood on the doorpost, those faithful Israelites said, God, we've done this because you said, if we'll do this, when the death angel passes through the city, we'll see the blood and we'll pass over you. You see, that same concept in the New Testament, when God sees the blood of Jesus... On you and I, 
because we prayed and received him as our Savior. Then the death angel, so to speak, passes over for eternity. Does that mean we won't die physically? No. These bodies are temporary, guys. But it means we'll go to heaven and be with our Lord. All of that said and done, the morning time had come and, and Israel was being set free after all those years of slavery. They could finally leave. They could finally go to wherever God was going to take them. But I want you to listen to a couple of verses of what God said to Moses in this event. Chapter 14 of the book of Exodus. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Phi Harab, between Medel and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Belzephon. And Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land and in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. The plan of God. One of the things you and I have to come to a conclusion and a conviction of as believers is that God's got a plan. He knows the location. He knows where He wants to take us. He knows where He wants us to end up and what He wants us to do and accomplish. But if we're going to reach up and take His hand, we've got to have confidence in that, that somehow God's not going to make a mistake, that He's going to get us where He needs to get us. But God gave a little heads up to Moses. He said, now Moses, I'm going to let you in on something. It's not going to go real smooth. Part of this journey is going to be bumpy. Okay? Now, if they came to the waters and took the road beside the sea in two weeks, they would be in the promised land. But that wasn't going to work. Because if they did that, Egypt would just follow them and slaughter them. God knew that. So God came up with a plan. He says, here, I want you to go down here, take a left, so to speak. Stop right here, directly across from so-and-so. Have you ever wondered why God's directions were so specific? I don't know. Maybe it's because the water was shallower there. I don't know. But God sent them to an exact point on the map and says, you need to be right here. Because if you go and do exactly what I tell you to do, I'm going to be able to take care of you. I got a plan for you. And then he said something to Moses Moses didn't want to hear. He said, no, by the way, Egypt, Egypt has let you go. Pharaoh has turned and let you go. But his army is fixing to march after you. God's directions, God's explanation was Pharaoh will say they're hemmed in. He will come to a conclusion. They don't have anywhere to go. They can't get away. God's expectation, he will pursue. He will come to the conclusion they are boxed in. They have nowhere to go. But listen to this. But God says, Moses, it's going to be okay. Sometimes you and I in life situations feel boxed in. 
where there's not an answer, there's not a solution, there's not a way to get out of our problem, there's not anything we can do, there's not anything anybody else can do, we feel boxed in. But I want you to know something, God's never been boxed in. God has a plan. He's got a way. He's got a door. Does that mean everybody sick is going to be healed? No. The ultimate healing is heaven. I'm sorry. That's the truth of the matter. The ultimate healing for all of us is heaven where these old broken bodies get replaced. Now, there are many times God intervenes on this earth, extends our days. That's the ultimate. But there are so many things God wants to do in your life and my life. But guys, if we don't just trustingly reach up and take his hand, we get lost in the shuffle. We can't see over the crowd. And the truth of the matter is, even as adults, we can't see over the crowd of the obstacles that Satan has out there for you and I to get us on the wrong path. We can't see over that crowd. But God already has. And God has a plan. He gave them that explanation. Now, why? Why was this so important? I mean, let me ask you something. What if, what if your parent suddenly loses his job and he has to move to a different city? God forbid, nowhere any greater, right? Wonderful place to be. But let's just say that had to happen. And we could say, God, I've prayed to you. I've asked you not to do this. But God says, I'm sorry, you need to do this. Well, what if we got there and then God did some wonderful things? Maybe he brought into the life of your teenage daughter the husband she's supposed to spend the rest of her life with. Did God have a plan? Guys, just because I can't see it doesn't mean God's not working in the backdrop. God had a plan. God hadn't made a mistake. God needed three things to happen. Now listen to me. Number one, God needed Israel to know that he could be counted on no matter what. God needed Israel to know he could be counted on no matter what. Now, here's the situation they're fixing to get in. They're fixing to be boxed in with the enemy right here, the desert out there, and the Red Sea right here. There is nowhere to go to get away. There's only one way they can reach. Look at me. Only one way they can reach, and it's up here to God. They needed to know God. Secondly, God needed Egypt to know who God was. You see, in spite of the fact they had enslaved Israel all these years, God still cared about the Egyptians. He still wanted them to know the Savior. He still wanted them to know who God was. And so in the midst of all this, God needed them to recognize that He was God. And how was He going to do that? Well, He's going to eliminate the whole Egyptian army with a little water. This was no water pistol fight. And thirdly, Cana, the land that Israel was trying to get to, the promised land, all of the enemies out there needed to realize that these Israelites that were coming had a great God, a powerful God behind them because that would help them in the battles that lay ahead. All three of those things needed to happen. Pick up with me at verse 5 of our text. 
Then the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled. And Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their service. Folks, they were their slaves. They didn't have to do anything. They just make the Israelites do it. Now, why did they let them go? They let them go in their grief. They had lost their firstborn sons. They had died throughout the city. There would be the pursuit of Pharaoh. Listen. So he had his chariots made ready. And he took his army with him. And he took 600 of the best chariots. And all the other chariots of Egypt. With his officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh king of Egypt. So that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites. They overtook them. They camped by the sea opposite Baal Zephon. What's the picture here? Guys, they're backed in the corner. There have been times in my life I've been backed in the corner. Didn't seem to be an answer. Didn't seem to be a way out. But I'm going to tell you, God's always had a way. He's always had an escape hatch. He's always had a plan. Question is, would I have enough faith to get through the struggle successfully? They are backed up against the wall. 600 chariots. Now, for a minute, would you be an Israelite with me? And here you are. There's a lot of you, but you don't have anything to fight with. You don't have anything to defend yourself with. You are literally helpless in the desert. And here comes the notorious, powerful army of the Egyptians with their horses and their chariots and their swords and their arrows and everything they need to wipe you out. When the devil backs us in the corner, do we trust God for an answer? Or guys, do we crumble like a dried cookie? What happens? What happens when something has overtaken my life and I don't know how I'm going to get past it? What happens when we're failing chemistry and we say, I can't move to the next grade till I pass? You pray about it and you work harder than you've ever worked in your life, right? God's got a plan out there question is, are we willing to trust him? We see the panic of Israel. Pick up with me at verse 9, would you? Listen to what happens. Verse 10. And Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up, and there was the Egyptians marching after them, and they were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because... There were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? We see their short-sighted doubts. Big picture. Not just what I'm struggling with today, but what's the big picture out there? What's God's eventual purpose and plan in my life? We see their faithless fear. So many times we trust God to the going gets tough, and then we fold. 
When life becomes hard, we panic. Panic. That's when, that's when we don't pray about it. We just get worried because things are not coming together like they need to. Guys, God's still in control. Folks, we've got a nut over yonder with his finger on some dangerous bombs. He's a nutcase. But I'm going to tell you something. This world is not in his hands. It's in God's hands. And you and I need to remember that. We have a God that we are to put our trust in. We see the panic of Israel. Their faithless fear. We see their blaming complaint. Rather than trusting God, we just gripe and complain. Boy, I, I do a lot of complaining. You do a lot of complaining. Just grumbling. Lord, I deserve better than this. You ever done that? I remember evangelist some years ago. He was struggling. He was preaching. and He was sleeping in his car. Sleeping in his car. Because he really couldn't afford to do any better. He said he woke up one morning after sleeping in his car before he could go on to his next destination. And he said to the Lord, Lord, I deserve better than this. And he said it's almost as if God said to him, remember the cross. Sometimes in life we get discouraged when it's hard and it's difficult. But God's got a better day ahead. We've got to learn to trust him through that difficult moment. We see their sad evaluation. Some folks may be here this morning. This is the last draw. You've tried everything. So I'm going to try church. I'm going to try church. I'm going to tell you something. Walking with God is not like taking a few coins and dropping them in the slot of a drink machine and watching it fall out at the bottom. You don't just show up at church and get a little dash of God sprinkled on you like a little salt. And now suddenly everything's okay. It doesn't work that way. But I'm going to tell you something. If we pursue our God and we pour our heart out to Him, He'll help us find our way. You've got to be willing to get honest with God. There was the provision of God. Listen to verse 13 and 14. What did they say? God, you just bring us out here in the desert to die? We might as well have died back in Egypt. That's a lot of confidence. Uh, that's a lot of faith in God, isn't it? Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring to you today. Hold on, trust God, even though you can't see where you're going, just trust Him. You've got Him by the hand, He's got you, you've prayed about it, you've put it in His hands. Trust Him, trust Him. He said, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Now they're looking at an enemy approaching to take their life. And Moses said, don't worry about it. I don't know about you. But I would have probably looked at Moses and said, say what? What do you mean don't worry about it? Look at that. <laughs> That's what you and I say. Isn't it? Look at that. How am I going to conquer that? God says you're not. I'm going to conquer it for you. I like the next part. Listen to what he says. Moses 
Now, he's just said the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still, to trust him, to pray and put it in his hands. Listen. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell Israel, move forward. <laughs> Moses is saying, guys, God's going to take care of it. And over here in the backdrop, he's whispering, and the Lord, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And God says to Moses, quit whining. Just tell them to go on. But Lord, there's a whole sea out there. Just raise your rod. We're going to take care of it. And with a strong arm, he raises the rod of God. And the Bible says that an east wind swept down. And it grabbed the waters of the Red Sea. And it split it open. And it built a wall on the left and a wall on the right. And with such power the wind swept through that it dried the ground out. And Israel walked right through the path between a wall of water. Imagine that over there, a wall of water. And over here a wall of water. And you're walking through. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Some of those Israelites might say, Now, guys, y'all go ahead. I think I'm going to wait back here. You know? I think it took a lot of faith to walk through there. What was the option? The Egyptian army, right? It will always be tough to walk with God. But, guys, it will always be successful to trust Him. So they took God by the hand. There was the voice of hope. There was the command to action. They were to walk. There was a promise of victory. And there would be the explanation of glory. Listen to verse 17. I want to jump to verse 17. I will harden the heart of the Egyptians so that they will go after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army with his chariots and his horsemen. What does that mean? You just trust me. I'm going to get you through safe on the other side. And I'm going to take care of the enemy in the meantime. Well, they thought they was doing pretty good when God parted the sea. And there was a dry place to go. And, and they were getting through safely. The only problem was God lifted the cloud that was blocking Egypt from Israel that was giving them darkness and they couldn't see which way to go. He lifted it. Suddenly they saw the path. They saw they were going. Morning was about to come. They had been walking all night through this seabed trying to get to the other side. Two and a half million people. And all of a sudden, the daylight begins in the Egyptian army. Their chariots and their horses, they flood right down through that path right behind them. And they're coming. Uh-oh. This isn't good. But what did God say? This is good. This is my plan. The partition of safety had been lifted. The parting of the Red Sea had given them safety. In verse 25, I want to drop down for the sake of time. In verse 25, what happens? They're chasing after them. And he made the wheels of their chariots come off. I like that. So that they had difficulty driving. They had a flat. You know, they're chasing after Israel and they have flats. And it kind of, have you ever been on the interstate or somewhere where somebody breaks down right in the middle of the road or on the highway? This blocks everything. And that gave the Israelites time to get out on the other side. And once they had gotten out on the other side, God told Moses, now raise your rod. And you raise the rod. And all that water walked. 
wall of water. And all that wall of water folded back in. And in those quick, brief moments, God eliminated the enemy. The powerful, famous army of Egypt was whipped without the single swing of a sword or the shot of an arrow. God said, for I will fight for you. If we are to live mature Christian lives, we have got to pray, trust God, focus on the big picture. Not what it looks like today, but what God has promised us for tomorrow. Let me tell you something. Parents, what you want, what you desire, I believe more than anything in the world, is your kids to grow up to know and to love Jesus and to live for Him. And along that journey, you're going to get backed in the corner. They're going to make some bad decisions sometimes. They're going to get in with the wrong company sometimes. That's why things like Disciple Now and these youth events are so significant. We want to give them as much Christian influence as possible. And sometimes with all of your best efforts, they're going to make some bad choices. They're going to try something they shouldn't try. And hopefully by the glory of God, it, it won't be the last time with fatal results. But if you and I stay faithful, we guide them and we demonstrate the faith before them and we live it before them and we teach them to walk holding and grasping the hand of God, eventually the big picture out there is they will find their Savior. They will find their way and one day they will raise their kids to know the Savior that you and I love. That is our gold. Before we can live in the joy and confidence of faith, we've got to learn to trust God through the trials. We've got to believe God knows the way. Kids, I'm going to tell you something. You've got friends out there. They're going to tempt you to everything in the world. They're going to offer you a little weed to smoke. They're going to offer you stuff to drink. They're going to offer you things that is going to be a great temptation. I'm going to tell you why. Because you want to please them. You want them to like you. You want them to think you're cool. I'm going to tell you something. The devil will use every instrument he can to destroy you because that's his whole goal. Jesus will do everything he can to get you to hold on to his hand until he gets you safely to the other side. And I skipped over a lot of stuff because I ain't got time for it. But I'm going to tell you this. In this journey of life, we all get backed in the corner sometimes. That day that started out with fear and trembling because of the enemy. Guess what comes next? Chapter 15. And what happens in chapter 15? I'm going to tell you what happens. They are singing the song of celebration because God has just eliminated the enemy and gave them the first day of a new life and a new beginning. Living the Christian life is like being that little child that reaches up and takes the hand of God and says, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey your word 
so that you can safely get me to the other side. I pray we're willing this morning to do just that. Would you bow your head with me this morning? Today is Lord's Supper Day and my time is gone. But I want you to just bow your head with me. Would you do that before we have our Lord's Supper this morning? If you're in this church this morning, maybe you have prayed to receive Christ and you need to follow Him in baptism. And you want to come forward and have that opportunity this morning. While everybody's head's bowed and every eye's closed, can I invite you to come forward and make that decision? I don't want to take that opportunity away from you this morning. Just step up where you are and come forward. And we'll acknowledge you this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that as you successfully helped Israel that day, you will help us to trust you to take your hand and find our way successful to the other side. Oh, Lord, for the decision on anyone's heart this morning, give them the courage to surrender their life to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This time this morning, I'm going to ask our, our deacons to come forward for the administration of the Lord's Supper. Would you?